Welcome to The Breakdown with James Lankford, where Oklahoma Senator James Lankford discusses policy issues in Congress. Thank you for listening today. This is The Breakdown. I'm Senator James Lankford. This is The Breakdown and welcome to it. This is the conversation where we try to take the complicated things that you hear in the news or live in life and try to break them down to a simpler form. Try to make you the smartest kid at the water cooler, but to also be able to walk through some of the tough issues of the day and to be able to actually break those down and to hopefully make them not quite as tough. Uh, though life still tends to be a little tough as we've experienced in 2020 and multiple times. You may notice that things are a little bit different uh, at this time for the breakdown. One of them is the addition of my lovely bride, uh, Cindy, uh, all of 28 years. And uh, she's not often in Washington, D.C. because home is uh, Oklahoma. Uh, but uh, I go back and forth every week and she's there, but she is in town this week and I'm right. so excited. Well, good to be here. I have not been uh, the smartest kid at the water cooler until today. <laughs> you are always the smartest kid in our family. Just just for the record, we happen to graduate in the same graduating class. We're both top 10 of our class, but you were to the right of me at graduation that you actually graduated ahead of me. True or false? It is true. Okay, so there you go. So uh, she's been the smartest kid in the water cooler for a very long time uh, as well. Uh, so that, that that's us a little bit, but we want to also introduce another family that's joining us, and it is the Watsons. We are so excited to have you here. You're perfect. And we are so excited to have you be a part of our podcast. So the podcast today is about an extremely complicated issue. It is family. With all the hard things that we've dealt with in 2020, and 2020 has been a challenging year in a lot of ways. As we walk through 2020, there's still nothing more complicated and more difficult than family. And so we thought for the holiday time period in the December, when everyone's kind of taking a deep breath this moment, let's talk about the ultimate complicated thing. Let's talk about family and just life in general. And so welcome into the conversation. Uh, this has been in, in Kirsten. No, say it again. Kirsten, right? No, I messed it up again. It's like you want to curse. Kirsten. I always I always throw this well, off. Kirsten. I'm sorry. We, we talk about it. It's Kirsten. And so I'm sorry. I, I say it and then I mess it up all over again on it. It's Ben it's, and Kirsten Was, uh, Watson. And I really should say Kirsten and Ben Watson on it uh, to be polite on it back and forth. Uh, but Kirsten, you uh, led a Fortune 500 country, uh, company, worked in that environment. You've led out through nonprofits. Uh, you've been engaged in lots of things in life as well as raising seven kids. Uh, ben, you played this little game called football, worked on four different football teams, played tight end, uh, have a Super Bowl ring. Which are you wearing this morning? Are you wearing the ring? No. Uh, no. I usually keep it locked up. The kids, the kids don't even believe it's, I actually have one. I pull it out every once in a while and say, yeah, Daddy does have one of these. Yeah, yeah, there, there you go. There, there, there's a real ring. But you've also uh, a writer of several books. Uh, Y'all have a podcast called Why or Why Not with the Watsons. Uh, so y'all really engaged in a lot of life stuff. And uh, so that and leading a family, being the CEOs, as you say, of a family of seven kids uh, is a pretty big responsibility on it. So I'd love to be able to just hear more of your story, like how did y'all meet and uh, some background just on your family as well. Well, we uh, Kirsten graduated to the right of me as well. So it's interesting that you bring that story up. We graduated <laughs> both um, in business from University of Georgia back in uh, 2003 and sat beside each other at graduation. Um, and we, uh, we met actually in Fellowship of Christian Athletes, an organization That's that great. many people are familiar with um, at Georgia. Uh, I was drafted in 2004 to the Patriots and um, we got married in 2005. And so our first date, um, I took her to this amazing restaurant. We were, we were in college 
And I told her, look, babe, get whatever you want on the menu. I got it. Um, was it, it was a place. It, it was a place in Athens called Snelling Dining Hall. <laughs> we, on the meal plan, so it might yeah. as well have been Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> we did that too. Yeah. So yeah, on the meal plan in the buffet back in the day when we used to have buffets uh, back in the day exactly. pre-COVID time period. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely get anything you want. I don't know if I've told you before, Ben, but. I played a little football as well, and so we can talk about some football stuff. I was eighth grade football, and uh, I actually I didn't actually play, I guess. I never actually got to play in a game, but I did practice with the team at least uh, in eighth grade. You, you had a great career uh, getting a chance to play. How many seasons, four different teams? Walk us through that a little bit. Well, you actually played before me, uh, Senator. I started in ninth grade, so you do have, have a leg up on me. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I played for four different teams. I, I was drafted, like I said before, to New England, but also played in Cleveland and in Baltimore and in New Orleans, uh, 16 years total, and just uh, retired. And so now we've been talking about um, settling down. So, you know, we've been moving all over the country, um, no people everywhere. I've been dragging Kirsten around. And so now we are going to settle down, get a house, put down some roots, um, get, get back uh, to the South, get back to Georgia, and, and uh, make a living there. Uh, Kirsten, uh, moving around all those different places, now raising seven kids, and your oldest is 11, is that right? Correct. All right, so you've got seven kids, all of them middle school and down uh, at that point, or I guess upper elementary and down on it. Uh, that's a lot of busyness. 11 uh, is your oldest, your youngest is? Eight, so we have 11, 10, 9, 7, 5, and the twins are 19 months old. So we yeah. pretty much have all of elementary school and preschool and then a sixth grader yeah yeah and they're right now somewhere uh, gallivanting around the house right now without Correct. With, they're, yeah, they're without. doing virtual school so everyone we found the <laughs> one corner in our house that has a little bit of wi-fi left and uh we are here with you but they are all doing school downstairs well it sounds very quiet so everyone's doing well yeah yes well this is we're considering this a date so thank you for having us because we're <laughs> together and we're not answering questions so we appreciate that <laughs> Well, gl glad to be able to invite you and be on this double date with you then as well on it. So how, how do you manage family or what kind of a family principle or do you have a key thing that you try to instill in your kids uh, as, as you're raising seven kids and still having all this life? Because again, you're in a public setting, being in football, uh, being in all these nonprofits and other things that you do, you're in this public life. What do you do to kind of just sink into your kids to be able to keep some kind of sanity and consistency and a set of values to them? Is that intentional? Is that accidental? Is it just uh, hoping that the neighborhood helps raise your kids? Is it something y'all are doing intentionally? Yeah, I would say it's very intentional because um, our kids have had to be the new person in a lot of different situations, whether it's at church or at school or on a team. Um, so we really are intentional with our family and understanding that, you know, God puts us in different places and, and this is almost like a mission field for us that we're going where we're called and there's someone there that needs us and there's someone there that we need. And so when you put that into your kids, it helps them to hopefully flourish and realize that although we're there for a short time, that we are on, we, we this is part of our journey, that we are on, we are on a um, we are there to really make a difference. And so that that's helped good. us. It's helped us to kind of stay together. Um, and it's helped us to grow as a family as well and become really close. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say uh, we've, our kids have been through a lot. <laughs> 
Uh, and as Kirsten mentioned, uh, sometimes uh, it's difficult, I think, um, when you're going to a new place, how do you keep the family together? How do you, uh, you know, create memories? I mean, there's sadness when you move, but there's also happy times because you're going somewhere new. And we always talk about a verse, uh, Micah, Micah 6, 8 is kind of our family verse. Uh, it's kind of our family, family mission. Um, he's told you, oh man, what is good. Uh, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? And so that's kind of how we really try to focus, I would say, our family, not only with going with our outreach uh, stuff that we do, but also internally. Are we are we loving each other? Are we walking humbly before God as parents? And, and are we asking for wisdom in how we lead and guide and discipline and love our children? Are the children, are they respecting us as their parents? Are they uh, seeking um, to love each other? All those sorts of things. And so it's really about setting that course. And then whatever the waves come, you're going to be tossed a little bit. But as long as your course is set mm -hmm. and renewed continually, um, that's how we try to live as a family. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. That is a sweet way to be able to come back to basic values. So I got to ask the hard question on that. So taking a Micah 6-8 perspective on that, does that come up with like siblings? They start, you know, <laughs> doing what siblings do. That we, never we, happens. We raised two daughters. Years. They're now 23 and 20, so they're older now. Uh, but growing up, when you've got, you know, 11 and an 8-year-old all hanging out together, they don't always 100% agree on everything. So how do you all do that conversation on Micah 6-8 conversation in the middle of a heated back and forth between siblings? Well, that happens a lot. Yeah, <laughs> like this home. morning. Like this morning. <laughs> and I really think it's, it's about having the conversation. And although sometimes it is not the best timing to have a you know a family discussion or to talk about things but we really try to make an effort to do that whether it's between the two siblings or it's sometimes we have one sibling against everyone else and you know everyone's telling me you know so it's just really creating the dialogue and we want our kids to be able to sit down and know their truth and understand their truth but understand that someone might be coming to the table with a different truth or a different perspective and so neither one is more important but both should be equally heard and thought about and we're there helping guide and facilitate the conversation and understand that you will be together <laughs> so right. we're gonna have Disag to figure this out disagreements right. never come at optimal times they Correct. always come when you're running behind Correct. and that's the and so moment where you have to stop and say I'm going to be late because family is more important. Your relationship is more important. Absolutely. And yeah. I think that's the thing. It's never about them se separating them, but like, no, you have to work this out. It's okay for you all to have these different perspectives of who did what first. Like I wasn't there. God knows. And yes, you can stand in your truth, but we really have to still be able to get along. We have to still love each other. We still have to treat each other with kindness and respect. And so there's still, there has to be an apology. There has to be forgiveness. And why? It's because Jesus forgives you. And so my, going, always going back to truth as to why we do things and not being according to Benjamin and I, but this is how God is calling us to live. And, you know, using these trials as opportunities for them to grow more and more into the people that God has created them to be. Because at one point they're going to be outside of our home having a disagreement and how they handle that is important. And so we're hoping to model that th these things at home so that when they're in school, they're able, or on a team or outside, they're able to do use these skills appropriately. That's a good gift. One of the things that we did uh, with our girls uh, growing up all the time is you can't just say, I'm sorry uh, right. to somebody, <laughs> we have a disagreement. You gotta actually sit down with someone and take the next step and say, will you forgive me? 
and mm -hmm. uh, we, we tried to push it the, so there has to be a reconciliation movement uh, so it can't be just blow you off we're, we're there you got to look somebody in the eye and say if, if, if I if I hurt you we got to reconcile we, we got to figure this out and not just I'm sorry but I'm sorry for Right. So that person who has done the offense is explaining what they did to offend the other, to hurt the other, to harm the other, and then to ask for that forgiveness. Absolutely. And even too, like critically think, like, how will I do this differently? Like, you will get on my nerves again. Like, you, you know, it's like, it is going to happen, you know? And so what can I do? What can you do, person A, person B, to make sure it doesn't get to this point? again and so helping them to think through their actions recognizing their triggers you know okay my cheeks are getting hot you are really you know like i've asked you now three times to stop what it, you know so helping them think through and recognize their body set you know signals um when do i call in mom and dad when do i you know all of these things to help them think through how to handle situations differently i think is is huge and so with seven <laughs> This is a lot of talking that happens and a lot of redirecting that happens. But, right. you know, the hope is that, um, you know, they become closer and they're able to do a lot more on their own without having to have intervention from us <clears throat> because we've worked through it um, several times. Okay. And this I takes them from little human beings that figure out how to do little squabbles to grown up <laughs> big adults who know how to do real life issues and marriage. Definitely, for sure. Okay, I'd say I'm never going to think about the words "my cheeks got hot" ever again. So <laughs> I feel my cheeks getting hot. <laughs> so that was it. Ben, you wrote a book on being a dad and uh, being a man in this culture. That that takes a lot of time to do that kind of writing. Why, why did you step in to be able to do that, especially with young kids? Why why was that important to you? Well, I love to say because I have all the answers, but really it was because uh, Kirsten told me I needed to, <laughs> and I listened. Um, you know, so many, you know, being in the NFL and uh, being around so many different uh, young men, uh, myself being one of them who was having our first child 11 years ago, I was in my fifth year, and I'm the oldest of six kids, but still, it's terrifying when you know that you're going to be responsible for a human being, and they don't give you any directions when you leave the hospital. They just <laughs> say, go, you got this, good luck. And so the idea behind the New Dad's Playbook was really to create a what to expect when, when she's expecting for guys. Um, and through that, Kirsten's encouragement was create a handbook so that a lot of guys uh, do the things that you did well, but also do the things well that you didn't do so well. Mm -hmm. And so in the book, it talks about, you know, uh, just practical things. What to expect when you go to an OB appointment. You need to ask for the head anesthesiologist if you're going to have an epidural. Um, what to pack. But also the overarching message, I would say, is, man, you have what it takes. You have what it takes to be the man, the father, the husband that God called you to be. Whether you had a father or not, we can't control those circumstances. But you have what it takes. And not only do you have what it takes, society the mother of your children, your children need you to step into that role purposefully, honestly, intentionally, not perfectly, but in a way that shows that you have a great care and love for them on purpose. Um, it's vitally important. Any, any society, any ill that we look at in society, whether it's poverty, whether it's education, whether it is depression, all those sorts of things, many of them statistically and through research are linked to fatherhood. And the relationship that a child, a young boy or girl has with their father. And so it's imperative that we encourage men 
um, to step into these roles, um, you know, in a way that is courageous, in a way that is bold, because it's not just about their family. It's about the fact that Kirsten said before, we are raising the next generation of adults. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's, a lot of, that's, a, that's a great one. A lot of our culture talks about aggressive men. You have all these aggressive men. The opposite of that is just as horrible, passive men uh, mm -hmm. that really don't want to engage, that are just sitting back and watching their family, sitting back and watching their kids, sitting back and not engaging with will their wife. Will not step up and lead. Yeah, will not, will not step up and do their responsibility and actually take, take things on that are clearly their responsibility to be able to do. And uh, so that, that's, that it's, it's a great gift. I can tell you 23 years ago when our oldest was born, that book didn't exist. Uh, I was one of those guys leaving the hospital with my bride and with this little package of, you know, smiling and poop, because uh, that's really what they do at the beginning. And uh, and then to be able to take her home and to say, OK, what, what, what do we do and how do we manage this? OK, I want to ask a hard question as well. <clears throat> all the COVID craziness, all the stuff with family right now, one of the most complicated seasons of life, especially with folks that have little children, is a season around Christmas because there's 10 million things that are going on and it just got more complicated with COVID this year uh, than ever before. So I'd love to talk about a really complicated family thing, Christmas time. So what, what do y'all do? Do y'all have like intentional things that you try to do to be able to slow down the season of craziness or things that you try to be able to do to try to sink in uh, some of the values and truths? So you've got this Micah 6-8 perspective that you're trying to always reinforce to everybody, but Christmas, really yells at times and especially with little kids on it. it's a great gift of a season to be able to be reflective uh, but it can just kind of come and go and, and you say at the end of it check I did Christmas rather than really plan prepare do something intentionally that's significant for your family what do y'all do that's significant for your family to kind of slow Christmas down yeah I think one thing you know so this is our first Christmas where Benjamin's not playing football so I think that it's a it's a very new season for us in terms of him being at home and not still like we're still normally rushing and you know it's still a matter of you know in season in season family time um, but one thing we've done consistently I would say for several years is just this advent we have these advent um, ornaments that we do every night. And so it starts in the beginning of December. And so every night, even during the season, Benjamin was responsible, not responsible, but he kind of leads the family discussion at dinner. And so every day we do a different ornament and it goes through an Old Testament and a New Testament teaching. And so what's neat is when we first did it, and our youngest, our, our oldest was just, you know, everybody participates during after dinner. But they started now, they know what the ornament's gonna be. So it's so neat to see that they're like, oh, the stump of Jesse, I know this story or whatever. Whereas our five year old is just now getting, you know, understanding what we're talking about. So I feel like this ad, our advent calendar really helps us to slow down and anticipate the reason we're celebrating Christmas. And so it helps us to stay focused, it helps us to hopefully not, you know, have conversation around what we're preparing for. It's not just about the gifts. It's not just about um, these external things that the world says we should get excited for, but we are actually preparing for the birth of Christ. And so that's one of my favorites. I think it's one that, you know, the kids look forward to. Like even last night, you know, Benjamin pulls out the ornament that has a picture of the coat on it. They're like, we know, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the coat, you know, and, you know, Joseph and, it, you know, they, you know, little pieces from everybody who knows. And now even Eden, which is our five-year-old, 
you know, she knows pieces of the story. And so I think that helps us to stay focused on, you know, what we're trying to concentrate on, uh, which is sometimes different than what the world is telling us we should focus on. I think yeah, and I would say, and, okay. Advent has become a, uh, a worldly thing now that Advent is a frozen calendar mm -hmm. and it's the countdown to presents. unwrapping presents. Right. versus the countdown to the birth of Christ and celebrating the birth of Christ. And so I love that you're doing that. I've not heard of the ornament idea. It's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was going to say that, you know, really, it, it's also a lifestyle. Um, as parents, uh, we, we can't expect our kids to, to jump on and believe something that we're not living out on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so emphasizing Christmas doesn't start in December, or it doesn't start on the 24th or the 25th. Uh, emphasizing Christmas or the celebration of Christ's birth happens in March. It happens in July. It's about the importance of Christ in the parents' lives and what are we teaching our children throughout the year so that they have an expectation and an understanding of what this day is about celebrating. Um, and so that that's an ongoing conversation. Uh, I, I love the Advent uh, ornaments because it teaches them the Old Testament. It teaches them about the prophecy that this day was going to come. Um, also, some things Kirsten, she didn't bring up, but one very, very fun thing we've done on Christmas is something called Light Em Up. Light Em Up. Mm -hmm. and, and Light Em Up is simply about going to the people who serve you, the people at the grocery store, people, the garbage men that pick up you know, the garbage, uh, the mailman, the postal service workers. Create, giving them something, cookies, candy canes, whatever it is. We've done that wherever we've lived. And the crazy thing was we were in New Orleans playing for the Saints for three years. We left and went to Baltimore with the Ravens, came back to New Orleans. When we got back to New Orleans two years later, we go to the grocery store, and the people in the grocery store remember that our kids came in and oh, gave wow. them something during Christmas years before. And that just shows that the, the impact you can have through service, not just during Christmas time, but through service and through kindness, loving kindness or loving mercy, that shows the impact that you can have during this time, but also throughout the year. It's funny because even the trash men were like, hey, are we getting those cookies again? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just is something that they, you know, our kids get to be a part of it. They get to be a part of saying, thank you for serving our family. We're thinking of you during this year or during this time. And so, again, it's those things that takes the 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 thought off of themselves and what they're getting, the thought off of presence and saying, you know, we need to serve. People need to be reminded that you've been so faithful to us um, in, in such a great way during the year. And so it's our time to give back. And so we've, we've just done that since they were little. Um, and so now it's just kind of, you know, it's hard to think of those things because there's so much a part of what we do and what they are expecting. Like, mommy, are we making cookies soon? I'm like, well, it's COVID, so I'm not sure. <laughs> we might have to do something packaged, you know, and put our sign on it. But, you know, just thinking of different ways to do that and that being a part of what they expect, I think is huge. Yeah, that's an enormous gift. It's, it's a great set of traditions. We have a family tradition of doing Advent on the Sunday nights uh, leading up into Christmas, obviously, and to be able to do that. And we have the same scriptures and we go through that same kind of process. And it's been something that we've built in. Uh, Another as well. thing that we do is um, as we're putting, about, putting up our Christmas tree, we have a large nail that we put on before anything else goes on the tree. And we have a time where we pray together and focus to say, what is this all about? Yeah. What was the sacrifice 
that is to come after the birth of Christ. Yeah, so we, 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 we connect Christmas and Easter, uh, I guess at that point every year, uh, just as a part of our family. This, I, I love all the traditions of this time. I, I've, uh, uh, I, I gather with a group of Jewish friends every year and we do a Hanukkah lighting uh, time together with them. And they have so many great traditions to be able to help sink truth into their kids and to be able to have the dialogue. So for people that are building these traditions to be able to pass on heritage, and to be able to help reinforce values into people is such a good gift uh, to be able to help pass on generationally uh, in the conversation. So uh, thanks for thanks for passing on. I, I do wanna poke you on, on one thing on this, and it's not a poke, uh, it's a question for me. Y'all have been in the public life so much. Uh, there, there's a sense of being in the public life and being on a professional football team and being that family and, and being out and about. Uh, this is a season where you could kind of step back, okay, finish playing, could kind of step away and say, okay, we're, we're gonna be private citizen Watsons and we're just gonna do family and do kids and do all that kind of stuff. Instead, you've kind of leaned in and said, okay, I'm gonna start a podcast and start this dialogue and this conversation uh, of what we can do, the, the why or why not with the Watsons. You're writing, you're engaged in nonprofits, you've got a foundation that you're working. You've also stepped into some issues that can be politically hot, but you've stepped in and said, hey, this is not a political issue, this is just a human values issue we stepped into the value of every single child, not just your seven children, but of every child, both on how child, children grow up and some of the needs that they have, but also the child in the womb uh, as well to say, hey, we need to find respect for that child uh, and to say, how can we honor every single life? That had to be uh, somewhat something that came out of you, but also a decision to say, are, are we gonna stay engaged in the public life in a whole different way? What kind of brought you to think through this, I'm gonna not only value my children, but every child. How did you get to that spot and what are you taking, doing with taking that? Taking your platform that you're in to use it for good for others rather than just for yourselves. Yeah, I, I quite honestly can't can't think of a, a specific time or date when we said we wanted to be involved with this issue. I do, however, remember with our first child, Grace, um, we went to go get a 3D40 ultrasound and when we when we left the building, Kirsten said to me, "This was this was again, uh, you know, eleven, almost twelve years ago." She said, "You know, one day I'd like to offer that opportunity to other pregnant women." Uh, we didn't know what that meant. We didn't know how that was going to come about. Fast forward several years later, we partnered with a couple of other organizations and began placing ultrasounds at um, women's uh, pregnancy centers um, around the country where we live. So we we placed about three of them. Um, and, and so with that, that was kind of our way of providing that window to the womb uh, for a father and for a mother. Um, the way it goes, if you're in the NFL and you, like you said, you know, you have a, somewhat of a platform, people notice these things and it gets, it gets blown up a little bit. But it was never a decision to do this because we were, you know, in the NFL or because we thought anybody would know. Um, we believe that life is created at conception. We believe that all people are created in the image of, of, of God. We believe that all people have value, inherent value and dignity, simply because God created them. Whether they are the pre-born, the post-born, whatever religion they are, wherever they live, whatever their economic status. And so for us, this idea is a justice issue. And so a lot of our work also has been with organizations that combat um, sex trafficking. Uh, we, we've gotten really involved with that. Uh, we've gotten involved with organizations that combat um, you know, racial injustice. Uh, for us, these are all part of a long spectrum under a single garment of what we would call justice. Going back to Micah 6, 8, going to Jeremiah chapter 9, 23 and 24, the Bible talks a lot about justice. And so that's where that fit in. But I can't say that there was ever a specific time 
where we kind of hit the switch. But as you know, God places you at certain times for certain purposes. Um, and you just and you, you just walk in that and continue to do what you believe he's given you to do. And I think, too, we always it's it's one thing to talk the talk. Right. It's one thing to say that you're a believer or say you believe in this issue and go hard for it. But then it's another thing when you actually look at your checkbook and look at your calendar and see what you're actually doing behind what you're saying. And so at some point for us, we realize that, you know, we've got to we've got to do what we say. And so how do, what does that look like? And yes, it wasn't a conscious effort, like saying, okay, now we have to do it. But it was like, no, this is important. This this makes sense. And God lined those things up for us to become involved and for us to, to do. And it was never to be public. But, you know, people make it public. Um, but it's it really, it, you know, you think about the legacy that you live, leave for your family and for your kids. And so the podcast, these are conversations that are very organic because we're already having them, whether it's with people that we know or don't know or in our home. Um, so it's not as though we're putting on something. It's just what God has called us to do. And he says, be obedient and do those things. And so I feel as though whether it's the podcast or speaking up for life, these are things that are important. And so he tells all of us to to do this differently. And so ours just happens to be in these these areas, in the podcast and in the placing the ultrasounds. And so, you know, I just feel like we, we've made a conscious effort say, you know, for our kids to see that these things are important. And because they are important, this is why we sponsor kids in these countries. This is why mommy and daddy are going on a mission trip here and bringing other families to see. This is why we tell you go in the basement and don't talk to us for an hour because we've got to, you know, record a podcast. So they understand <laughs> that, you know, this is what you're going to hopefully be a part of at some point. Mm. Our foundation is not going to, we're not going to be here forever, but you are. And our foundation is about doing, it's about serving. And so the, the hope is that they see that, they're a part of that, and that it will continue, that we're creating a legacy um, of service for us that will impact more people than we can ever imagine. And so, you know, it's just really been a pleasure. It's been an honor to be able to, to like for God to work. Some of these are crazy. We would have never thought of doing a podcast or <laughs> some of the other things she that we've done. Have. <laughs> but we're just really trying to be obedient and showing our kids that sometimes obedience means stepping out of something you're comfortable doing. It sometimes looks like, how is that going to work? But when you are obedient, that, you know, things happen and, and people are blessed because of it. Yeah, I'm jealous on your ultrasound as well, because 23 years ago when we brought our first ultrasound home, <laughs> it was like this black and white smudge. <laughs> Uh, that they that they had labeled and said Th this is the head. We're like that, that really, uh, and uh, now I'll the take, ultrasounds. I'll take the word for it, doctor. I'll take the word. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now the ultrasounds are this great detail where you can see the facial expressions and see them sucking their thumb in the womb, and it's crazy that the clarity now oh, uh, right. to be able to see that. And yeah. it's such a gift. And I've I've talked to so many different people over the years that have said it was such a moment for them when they went in for an ultrasound. They saw the image, but it wasn't just seeing the image. It was hearing the heartbeat and knowing that's not just tissue in the womb. That's a different person that's there. And I can see their face. I can hear their heartbeat. I can even see well, seeing the seeing that little heartbeat going with the sound because it's so fast. It, yeah. oh. it's, just, it's just a remarkable thing to be able to see. Y'all, One more thing on this. Y'all have spoken out several times on this issue of life, 
but have also challenged people that also have a profound belief that every person is valuable. There is no, there is no person that's inconvenient that you just throw away. Uh, there is no person that you can just say, well, they're, they're not on my schedule, so they've got to be gone. Y'all have really challenged on the, the issue of kindness in the conversation and have pushed away from this being a political contentious issue to try to push it back, as you said, a justice issue and say, how can we deal with an issue that the world sees as contentious in a kind way and say, let's have a dialogue on that. Uh, that, that? That's a really good gift into the middle of this dialogue. So number one, thanks for continuing to be able to reinforce that basic value to say, Let, let's talk about a hard thing, but let's do it in a kind way. Uh, but y'all have had a platform to be able to talk about that as well. And how has that gone for you? How has that been received? It's, uh, you know, I think that, and I'll have to tell you, actually, you know, both of you all know this much better than we do. But uh, we are in a very, very uh, divided, um, tribal, contentious time in, in our history. Not that it hasn't been before, but especially now we're able to see it more than ever because we can see on, on our tweets exactly what people think. And it seems like the more um, uh, bold uh, the tweet is, uh, the more likes it gets. And it, it allows us to, to incubate ourselves with people who think like us. Um, and so what we've tried to do is is really, you know, there's a value in everyone, mm -hmm. even someone who vehemently disagrees with you, even with someone who, you know, is flat out wrong. They have value again because they are stamped with the image of their creator. So how I speak to that person matters, mm -hmm. even if they're dead wrong, it still matters. And what we've also found is that being kind to people, you, you never know when they're going to turn away from what they believe. You never know if you're winning them over or not, but how you speak to them really determines how far you push them away. So especially when it comes to the issue of, of abortion, when you have people that are considering themselves to be pro-life and they will label the other side as the baby killers, they use all these terms against them, then the pro-choice people say the pro-life people don't care anything about people once they're outside of the womb, and there's all these stereotypes going on. But what if we, we're able to disagree on this issue, which we should. Life is very, very important, but still honor and still in some sort of way respect and think about the way we speak about those mm -hmm. who are on the other side. Um, and that's a challenge for me. I don't feel like doing that all the time. I'm not sitting here saying that I do, but there's a reminder there when we think about Christ and we're trying to be more Christ-like, how would he speak to that person? How would his love bring them to repentance? May we model that in the way that we talk to people. Right. And we always tell our kids, you know, telling the truth is important, is essential, it's necessary. But how you say things is very, very important as well. So, you know, it's modeling, telling the truth. And we believe that there's an absolute truth in the Bible of what life is. But how we say and communicate that matters. Now, the other person who receives it may disagree. And, you, and you know, it's always remembering what's been done for you helps you enter into tough conversations, right? When you, re when you think and reflect on the mercy and grace that has been given to you, and even just understanding, um, you know, the, that the, the scales have, been fallen, have fallen off and you're able to receive information differently, um, just remember what you were like before. And so the mercy that was given to you and, and, the, and the grace. And so that helps you when you remember that, you remember that as you enter into conversations with people who think differently. And that's not easy. It's not easy at all. But it's just a, it's a reminder of how we should be having these tough conversations. 
And the hope is that when we do, I was just going back and forth with someone on social media before, like, but we have to tell the truth. I'm like, I'm not saying we shouldn't tell the truth. I'm saying it's important in how we say it. Just say I the truth in love. Yeah. On what? Yeah. yeah, truth and love, exactly. And so that's just what we have to do and continue to do. And, and again, we just never know if that person will one day hear us differently because we've respected them as a person. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's something I've told people before in town hall meetings and in conversations. I've yet to have anyone cuss me out online and that won me over. Uh, so the, 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 the people that just come to say the most caustic, abusive thing, I, I think they want to just show their friends, hey, I stuck it to the man, rather than yeah. actually have dialogue to try to solve a problem. Uh, no, no one comes and yells at me and confronts me and belittles me, wants to win me over to their side. I don't do the same thing to other people. It doesn't help me to belittle someone to try to win them over to my side. At the end of the day, my job as a senator is to be able to take a set of ideas and to say, how do we implement this set of ideas? And I've got to win other people over to do that. And being caustic to them doesn't help me win that fight. On the other side of that, you know, we have people often who say, well, Jesus flipped the tables and got upset with the selling in, in the temple. Well. There's only one time in scripture where that's recorded. Context, context, context. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I, I tell people in that story, if you're flipping tables every day, that's not righteous indignation, that's anger management uh, that, that, you, that you've really got to be able to deal with on that. So uh, listen, I, I get a chance to visit all day, but your kids are downstairs starting fires or doing whatever kids do uh, on that. I know you've got people with them and around them at this point, but I really appreciate the dialogue and the conversation. I've loved getting to know you and feel like we have a kindred spirit. And when you come to Oklahoma or one day when we get to Georgia and you're there, we yes. would love to connect. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yes. That'd be great. Yeah, I'd love thank to connect. Look, look. Post COVID. Yeah. Yeah, post COVID. Post COVID hey, record. That's all we have masks. We can still hang out six feet apart with masks. It's still the same. Yep. Yep. Do as much as we can to be able to help guard that time. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for how you're continuing to engage in culture, how you're setting a good example, uh, not only in your family, but t taking the risk that most people don't want to take. And that is kind of expose your family a little bit to say, yeah, we're not perfect. We struggle. These are hard issues that we talk about. But here's how we respect each other. Here are the things that we're trying to do uh, to be able to help because that is a good gift to other people. Just like it's a good gift to be able to help young dads try to figure out what to do and how to take responsibility and be able to step up. It's a good gift for people to be able to kind of see inside the window for a moment and to know here's what life could look like uh, because it gives a lot of other families a sense of hope as well. There is nothing in our culture more complicated than family. And for y'all to be able to give the gift of a conversation about family is a good gift to be able to do. So thanks for doing that. Uh, I do want to say thanks for the folks that are kind of tuning in or joining into the conversation as well in the breakdown. Uh, you're welcome to be able to join the breakdown. We'll, we'll send you the updates on that every time we put a new one out. If you'll subscribe on Spotify or SoundCloud or on the iTunes platform, wherever is the best place for you to be able to connect on that. We can get you the details when a new one is coming out and so you can continue to follow us. We'll get into other political issues and things as the new year begins uh, and other complicated national issues. But again, we, we thought it'd be a good time during the uh, Christmas season to take a break and talk about the ultimate complication uh, in family and life and hope you're spending some intentional time uh, focusing in on your family as well over this December time period. So God bless you. Thank you. Look forward to getting a chance to catch up. You want to be able to stay in contact with us, you can do that at langford.senate.gov. On our website, it's got all of our contact information. Uh, you can go to any of the social media platforms at Senator Langford and to be able to follow us there or to be able to make comments. And as you've already heard, 
If you're going to make bitter, angry comments, you're not going to win me over. But if you want to be in dialogue, we're welcome to be able to be in dialogue, uh, to be able to work some things out. So take care. Enjoy this holiday season. All right. <laughs> y'all, thank you. Can't thank y'all enough. Thank you. That was amazing. I love, love, love your heart. Yeah. Thank, 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 th thanks for sharing that and doing that. That's a good gift. I know it's a time away from your family and one more thing uh, during this Christmas time to be able to do while they're doing school and everything else. But uh, thanks for doing that. Keep investing in folks. Keep raising those issues. Uh, if we can raise more kids that have a Micah 6-8 mentality, uh, that is a very good gift to the nation and to a lot of other families. So I hope that, hope that example is out there for a lot of other families today. I know you're not perfect. We're almost perfect, clearly. Uh, but uh, but I, I know everybody struggles with stuff on that. I get that. But thanks for opening the window on it, really. Perfect. Thank you for having us. Yeah, really appreciate it. Always, always good to see you, even if it's well. I'll take it. I'll and take I need it. it. When you get to Oklahoma, connect with us. We'll for do sure. It. We'll do. We'll, we will take you up on that. Make sure you got a lot of food because we got a lot of hungry people. Come on, bring it. Bring it. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank care. you. Bye.